Hi, everyone. I'm Heaven. And I'm excited. <laughs> Hi, excited. You hey, look girl. great. Oh, my God. Thank you. The buns are popping. Mm, 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 mm. Your buns are always popping, Tracy. Thank you. I, <laughs> I mean, which buns are we talking about? <laughs> so, 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 so. Okay, Tracy has really cute Minnie Mouse-like puffs. hair puffs. Yes, Ooh, going on. Minnie Mouse. Yeah. Mickey Mouse is what I went for. Okay. Uh, Halloween one year. Minnie Mouse is what they called me because that's what my hair always was. Oh, <laughs> baby Heaven. And this is another round with Heaven and Tracy. Not much. Chilling. Yeah. You hear that bouncer mix? Hard to sit oh. down. Wah, 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 wah. That's my impression of uh, <laughs> nice of bounce music. Sounds like a bad Pac-Man game. <laughs> <laughs> the like, great value version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't do that. So our brand new Nola Bounce remix comes to you courtesy of the voice of Bounce Music himself, Hasizzle, who is like the voice that you hear on so many like great bounce music, like bounce the biggity, bounce the biggity, bounce the biggity, bounce it. Yes. Mm, 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 mm. Icon legend. Yes. So thank you to him for that. And y'all are welcome because I've been seeing a lot of tweets like, yes, <laughs> yes. can I get the full version? <laughs> yes. Please request Drop it the in the club this weekend. Yes. yes. <laughs> y'all got that uh, new another round. <laughs> DJ's whack. Of course he ain't got it. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> he won't even let you play Beyonce. Rude. Mm. Get him out the club. <laughs> uh, so we got a new bounce remix. Yes. What else is in this episode today, Heaven? We have the iconic, the legendary LeVar Burton Ooh. in the studio. What? Whether you know him from Roots or Star Trek or Reading Rainbow or all three, I mean, it's probably all three. Mm-hmm. And now you might know him from his brand new podcast, LeVar Burton Reads, where LeVar Burton is still reading to your grown asses. Yes. Because he still cares about your literacy and the things and just your life enrichment. And Look creativity. at these blessings. <sighs> blessings on blessings on blessings. So we talked to him about all of this stuff and we uh, we broke him at one point, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> he started laughing and we couldn't bring him back and heaven was like we broke LeVar Burton <laughs> and then he broke us <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then you know what we all put each other back together you know? oh thank you It's a great time, y'all. Right. So we hope that you enjoy this episode. Get a little mirth and joy yes. in your life and in your world. Much needed. I'm sure you need it. I know I do. Mm. Before we get on with the show today, um, can we make some time for my feelings? Oh my God, always Tracy. I'm having feelings. The whole show the... is your feelings. <laughs> Welcome to Tracy's feelings. <laughs> with heaven. heaven and Tracy's feelings. <laughs> Sometimes I'm here too with my feelings. <laughs> um, but yeah, I find myself, uh, for one, not being able to look away from the news mm. right now. What? Which part of the news, I Tracy? Mean, the the dumpster fire part of it, which is like all of it. Again, basically. need more clarification. <laughs> Specifically, the um, Confederate monuments coming down mm. all over the all over the nation, um, and I'm noticing that I feel like it feels very therapeutic and cathartic for me to see that like these things are finally coming down. Word. That people are finally realizing that hey, maybe it doesn't make sense to have fucking Confederate monuments in New York City. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I feel like we both grew up with that in our backdrop. Oh, for sure. I mean. I didn't even get the full, <laughs> the full Southern meal. 
<laughs> I got a taste. <laughs> I but I was to, at the buffet. Yeah. <laughs> you were in Golden Crown. <laughs> I really was. You were so Or Cracker right. Barrel. No, no, no. I oh, was at Golden Crowl. You were at, at Cracker, Cracker Barrel. Barrel. Yes. Oh, man. Because <laughs> I went to Stonewall Jackson High School. Ugh. Like, Manassas is a Civil War, like, right. ground area. Uh-huh. So you get you get all of that. You but get a smattering of it's everything. Not, it's not quite as heated as the... the the Charlottesville stuff has been for yeah um and all this makes me remember my time in college very very well because we were having these same fights Mm. there was a boys dorm named after Jefferson Davis who of course was the president of the confederacy who I think went to Transylvania for like a week I believe slaves in the day called him y'all's little president (laughs) (laughs) I believe that that is actually true (laughs) y'all see y'all's little president coming back on his horse Mm. Mm. But I just remember the feeling of helplessness and the feeling of just like being silenced in a race. And we would go to the administration, these people that we were paying thousands of dollars mm. to and being like, the we nerve. don't the nerve. And we're just like, we don't feel safe on these particular grounds. Mm. Your job is to make us feel safe and to guide us through our education and growth. And I'm afraid. I'm mm. afraid to walk across the street at night. Like I've seen some crazy shit. Like one of the earliest memories I have of being at Transy is a group of white boys. These were the KA members. And the KAs are a frat that was founded by Robert E. Lee. No. They consider Robert E. Lee their spiritual founder. Oh, no! Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Robert E. Lee fan? Like, what the hell? What the actual hell? So I remember them one night. Like, they just gathered around this big-ass weeping willow. It was like storming. There was lightning. There was thunder. Oh, my God. I don't like this movie. I don't (laughs) like it either. And I couldn't get out of it. I was like, change the channel. Change it. But they were literally like singing Dixie in the middle of a thunderstorm underneath the willow tree. Some of them were shirtless. Some of them were like draped in life-size Confederate flags. Wow. Seriously. I've seen these same people dressed as Confederate soldiers just walking across campus in the middle of the day like it was nothing. And my whole four year, I mean, like they did enough to placate us, you know. So in the boys dorm, there was this huge in Jefferson Davis Hall, to be specific. There was this huge, like six foot portrait of Jefferson Davis. Mm. There was a bust of Jefferson Davis in the library. And like I passed this shit every day trying to be a better person, a better black trying woman. To be studious. Trying to just library. like, yeah, let me learn. dog, Dang. And to just. To be told by the administration, like, yeah, we hear you, but Mm. these are the reasons for that. It's just like, there should be no but when I'm telling you that I don't feel safe. Mm. You know, this is my home away from home. I'm not safe at home. And it was frustrating. It made me feel like weak and powerless and like voiceless. And to see this stuff happen in some, how old am I? Some 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years after college. It uh, it feels really good to see that, okay, finally people are, like, starting to listen to mm. us when we talk about these, uh, just this Confederate litter, basically. Mm. But it also made me really sad that it took this long, you know? I mean, it makes me sad that these monuments and shit are up anyway. But it's just kind of like, we tried to tell y'all, you know? Word. Black people told y'all all the time, repeatedly. Some people have been talking about, like, the fact that you can see... <laughs> The, like white supremacist faces, they're not hiding because they yeah. got their fucking tea, tiki torch <laughs> right next to their goddamn face. I can see all the features. <laughs> right. But I'm curious, like, when you were, 
you're saying like you could see that same person in class. Mm-hmm. The same person who was in a Confederate flag uniform the night before. Right. Sometimes you have to sit next to this motherfucker. You know, sometimes they, I mean, rarely, but sometimes they'll, because they're polite, right? <laughs> Southern gentlemen. <laughs> Hello, ma'am. Don't fucking talk to me. I seen you last night. Mm. Get away. Wow. Um, But a lot of it, too, was to... So Transy, I don't know if this is interesting at this point, but Transy is run by a bunch of old white money. And in Lexington, old white money means old Confederate money. And so they had very vested reasons to keep the hall named after Jefferson Davis and to keep the bus in the library and et cetera, et cetera. And um, I did some some peeking around to see what became of Davis Hall and what's going on at Transy. And the hall was um, destroyed some years ago. And hmm. then they, I think it was just a shitty building oh. Trans- <laughs> they need a lot of architectural work but uh, <laughs> but they had the presence of mind to name it after somebody else mm. when it went back up mm. so you know it just reminds me that change is always slow and change always hurts but change is still at least happening somewhere i'm trying to be optimistic about it but right now i just feel mad and mm. angry and sad so hopefully the optimism will come from someplace but I did want to say shout out to everybody yo to whoever tarred and feathered that statue of Robert E. Lee I woke up like how do you tar and feather a statue where do you find tar (laughs) where do you find that many feathers (laughs) what are you doing I don't know who did it but yes more power to you just texture wise how did how did you make it work yeah (laughs) like how do you is there a YouTube tutorial for how to tar and feather somebody Oh, How you there probably is. <laughs> probably Dang. is. Shout out to whoever had that idea. Shout Confederate out to Confederate YouTube like makeup <laughs> bloggers. <laughs> Girl, put them black layers on this way. <laughs> <laughs> don't contour too much. Right. <laughs> you don't want to look like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to everybody who is working hard on getting these symbols out the way. Even mm. though they're some people see them as just symbols, they're not just symbols. Like that shit means a lot to a lot of different people clearly clearly so shout out to everybody who's fighting a good fight Mm. we are over the moon thrilled and excited to have actor director producer podcast host and guide to our childhood reading adventures lavar burton in the studio today yeah kunta in the house welcome kunta is in the house yo i I was like looking through all of your tweets and i noticed that you say that (laughs) all the time i say that whenever i land in a new city Mm. do you i i lead with that when i enter a room yes (laughs) that makes sense (laughs) that you do too and then walks in she's like kunta in the house nobody's like do you say it i would pay to see that listen do you ever enter rooms that way like kick in the door just be like bam bam Kunta y'all no um, (laughs) no you know I I, I try and keep it um, I keep it close to my heart Mm -hmm. because it is but I you know I pull it out um, now and again when um, when the mood strikes yeah right yeah Yeah. I feel like it's amazing how uh, relevant and recognizable that name still is like there's Kunta references everywhere even in our own studio so recently we had Sashir Zameda Formerly of SNL, uh-huh. who was on the show when she was telling Love the story. Love uh, she was her. so great. Yeah. She was, you should listen to the episode. She okay, I will. Um, but she was telling us a story about how people would try to shorten her name and like try to give her a nickname. Because, well, first of all, her name's like a Star Trek reference. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> it's like a flower. Right. It's a crystalline flower from Star Trek. That's what her parents wanted. The fuck out of it. Yeah. Seriously, her parents I had were tra- no are trackers. 
idea. Yeah, I that is so dope, y'all. I know. Right? What a delightful name. I know. Wow. So she was telling us the story of her name, and she would tell us how people would try to shorten it, give her a nickname, and she would be like, don't Toby me. You used my original name. <laughs> right? <laughs> I I'm love like, that. Yeah, that's real. Do not Toby that woman. Do not Toby that woman. And so this made me wonder, because um, you have a really great, really black name, I would say. Lavardis? Lavardis. Yes. Lavardis <laughs> is my first name. Mm-hmm. It's very black. It's super black. <laughs> it is. Righteously black. It is. No, Black right? and elegant. Yeah. I love it. Well. But, you know, getting jobs when you're black is hard for one. Right. Getting jobs when you have an identifiably black name is mm. hard for two. Can be so hard. did you ever want to Toby yourself? No. Never. Well, no, not really. Not even like in the acting world? Well, you know, I go by LeVar because um, when I decided to become an actor, um, I was pretty young. I was 17. Mm. And I thought, LeVar rhymes with star. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I didn't mean <laughs> Right? No, this was my thinking yeah. at, at the time. And so, I mean, I, I, I took it all the way there. I mean, uh, the first autographs I signed, I tried to get away with just signing my first name, like Cher. Yes. Right? <laughs> it was at a press junket for Roots, and, and, and I was there two weekends in a row. And the second weekend, the people who got my autograph the first weekend came back and asked me to add my last name. <laughs> Because <laughs> they weren't going for the okie doke. So, so um, in truth, when I was in the first grade, my very first day in first grade at Holy Angels Elementary School, Sacramento, California, um, I went in as Lavardis. And um, it was difficult to pronounce. The nuns were not feeling it. <laughs> and... The most popular, I mean, the nuns doted on this blonde-haired, blue-eyed white kid named well, Bob Banky. And my Bob Banky? Bob Banky. What kind of name is that? <laughs> That's as white as it gets. That's a great nemesis name. Right? Yes, Bob, Bob Banky. Banky. <laughs> and, and, and the nuns were, like, doting on this kid. And my middle name was Robert. So I decided in that moment mm. that I was going to go by my middle name. And uh. I, I got home from the my first day of first grade and announced to my family that... I would heretofore be called Bob. Bob? Lavardis is no more. And, and I was Bob for the first 16 years of my life. What? Right. I was. Wow. Wait, really? This is, this is, we are, this is, I've never told this story before. What? I was Bob for the first 16 years of my life. I was Bob Burton. Wow. So I was studying for the priesthood um, when I decided to become an actor, but I'm, I mean, I was l- projecting forward in my life to the time when I would be referred to as Father Bob. Huh. Mm. So you did kind of Toby yourself. I did kind of Toby. My, I did. Mm-hmm. I I flat out Toby myself. Did. Now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> wow! What a circle! What a journey we've been on. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. That's so real. Yeah. This is fascinating. Also, can I say that I think the idea of children named Bob are just hilarious that's to me. That's what I was just about to say. A child named Bob? It's like a kid named Otis. Like, I know they had to exist at one point. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, you know, it's such an old name for a young child. Can we back up a little? Let's talk about the studying for priesthood. Oh, Father really? Bob. Really? Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. So how'd all that work out? It works out great because I didn't become a priest. Yeah. Yeah. But I decided to become a priest when I was about eight years old. Mm, why? Um, I was raised in the Catholic faith. My mom was not a Catholic. My my, my mother was raised in the Baptist tradition of, hey. of, uh, of my grandmother, Estelle Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, however, my mom was an educator. She was a teacher. And when we settled in California, my mom 
Irma Jean. Whenever I get an opportunity to speak my mother's name in public, I do. Irma Jean Christian. Mm, my mommy's middle name is Jean, too. Is that right? Yeah. Aww. J-E-A-N? Uh-huh. Yeah. Aww. Irma's Irma's is G E N E, which is oh. unusual for a woman to yeah, have the, the masculine, masculine spelling. spelling. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, E R M A G E N E. I am the man I am because that woman is the woman she is. Mm. But my mama is everything, and she was a teacher, and so she knew that the best education that she could provide for her children was a parochial school education, which mm. is why I was baptized Catholic and raised in the Catholic tradition. Mm. Um, Irma was bound and determined that I would reach my full potential in life, even if that meant she had to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> do what you got to do, right? Um, Irma Jean doesn't play. She doesn't. She's my my mom, my mom is four foot ten mm. and a half. Uh, on <laughs> a, hold on to that right? half. <laughs> uh, weighs about a buck and a quarter now. Um, I am a grown ass man, and I'm still afraid of that. That's woman, how you do it. That's right? how you do it. And she was a single mother, mm. so my exposure to priests were were some of the most positive male role models I had Mm -hmm. growing up. Uh, Couple that with the fact that my mom, after she had her first career as an English teacher, she became a social worker. And so I grew up in a family where it was assumed that one's life had an element of social responsibility attached to it. Mm -hmm. So couple that with the fact that, you know, from my young mind, looking at the life of the priest, they got a free house, they were always taken care of. Yes. They didn't pay taxes. It all seemed pretty, Parks? right? Right. Is it too late? <laughs> it was Let me like get an application, right? And then everybody looked up to you, right? Mm-hmm. And you were in a position of prominence in the community while being of service. Mm-hmm. It just, it was attractive to me. What I didn't understand at the time was that the Catholic liturgy, the Mass, is all about theater. And I was really drawn in by mm. that, mm. right? What do you mean it's about theater? Well, the, the priest during the communion, the, the the ritual of communion, you know, turns this wafer into the body of Christ and the wine mm. into the blood of Christ. Watch, <laughs> here's my magic trick. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> yes. Ta-da! That is right? a lot of it's cool, all, Catholicism. Yeah. It's all very theatrical in nature. And quite honestly... On my mother's side of the family, there tend to be a lot of teachers and mm-hmm. social workers. On my father's side of the family, there are a lot of soldiers and ministers. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, I, I believe that I've come to the decisions that I've made pretty honestly throughout mm-hmm. the course of my life. I was not interested in going into the military. I came of age just as the Vietnam War was ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but the clergy really did appeal to me. So how did your family respond when you became an actor <laughs> at very young age? Yeah. Um, well, I know my mom, I know, I know Irma Jean was probably relieved a little, but still nervous for me. Mm. You know? Relieved? Why? Well, I'm the only son. Mm. Um, and so the family name would have died out ah. had I not gone in a different direction. I don't know. I think that, uh, I think she was very supportive of, you know, I entered the Catholic seminary when I was 13, so she was very supportive. I left my mom's house when I was 13 years old and went away to school. And yeah. mom was really supportive and has always been really supportive of her children, you know, in whatever it is we wanted to pursue. But I think that she was, she was a little nervous for me because all of that security that I was attracted to, where the priesthood was concerned, 
there was none of that present in mm. a career as, as an actor. Right. So, well, I'm sure those nerves went away when you were cast as a young Kuta Kinte after your first professional right. acting <laughs> audition. audition. Yeah. Right? His first audition. <laughs> right, and comes back. He's now the lead slave. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, life is is crazy. Yeah. It is. To say the least. It is. Because uh, you were you're learning to act alongside of like actors like John Amos, right? Yeah. And and just like super big were you nervous? My were you very, scared? My very first day as a professional actor, Cicely Tyson played my mother. Mm. My wow. Angelou played my grandmother mm-hmm. in my very first scene on my very first day. <laughs> How did you not no. lay down and I die? Am I, shook. <laughs> <laughs> I was shook, but I didn't let anybody know. I was shook. I was shook to my core. Did everybody know that it was your first acting gig? Like the yes. cast? Yes, yes, wow. they did. They all knew that mm-hmm. I was the unknown. I was the new kid on the block, mm. and they all embraced me. Aww. They did. No, I learned so. Oh, much. I will forever be grateful to all of those actors, to Dr. Maya, to Cicely, to Lou Gossett, to Harry Rhodes, Moses Gunn, Jitu Kambuka, who just recently passed, played the wrestler. Mm. Um, everybody just embraced me and they schooled me. Okay, so what did you learn from Maya Angelou? <sighs> here's, here's, here's my favorite Maya Angelou story. Okay. Um, my heart is a flutter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You have a Maya Angelou story? <laughs> oh my goodness. I got a bunch. Um, but here's my favorite. On that first day, we were in uh, Binta's hut, in, in my mother's hut, Kunta's mom's hut. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in the story, Binta had just had uh, Kunta's younger brother, Lamin. Uh, he was uh, less than a year, so in her arms. So in the scene were Cicely and Maya, myself, and, you know, the young kid who was, who was playing Lamine. And we were in there for some time. It, it takes time to, you know, to shoot these scenes. And at one point there was, and I don't even remember what kind, but there was a huge bug that, that made its Mm-mm. way. Because we were, <laughs> we were, you know, on the outskirts of, uh, we were at St. Saint, Saint Simon's Island, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, out in the boonies, right, where they had built the replica of the village of Jufere. Mm-hmm. And so this bug, you know, I looked over and there was this bug in this very small, I mean, the hut was like, you know, <laughs> as big as this booth about, uh-huh. you know. A little baby dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I was 19 and, and, you know, and I was raised that it's the man's job to protect women and to look out for them and, and whatnot. And so I took it upon myself <laughs> to stomp on this bug <laughs> All right. because I didn't want the bug to upset the women or the baby. Uh-huh. And Dr. Maya oh. turned to me with that look Ooh. and said, don't you ever think that because you are larger than a thing mm. that you have the power over life and death of that thing. That mm. was a living creature intense <laughs> I wouldn't have come to work the next day <laughs> I'm like well this was a fun day of work <laughs> goodbye I think she just fired me <laughs> and and she was right and 
she shifted my perspective and my point of view in that moment that, you know, we are all God's creatures. You know, it, it stuck with me all these years. Mm. So was that the last time you killed a bug? <laughs> <laughs> it's the, certainly the last time I killed a bug in Dr. Maya's presence. <laughs> I mean, mosquitoes, everything. You know, y'all are good. Y'all are good. So one of the things that we've been thinking about, like, as we've been preparing for this lovely, lovely interview is um, how heavy it is to watch and consume media about slavery because yeah. it's traumatic. It's hard. You know, it's tough to sit. It is, but and, it's necessary. I yes, believe. absolutely. I, 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 I get, you know, I was an executive producer on the, the retelling of The Roots Story last year, and I got a lot of pushback on mm. social media from a lot of people, including Snoop Dogg. Um, <laughs> what you don't want to make Snoop Dogg mad. What was Snoop I, mad about? Snoop was not feeling uh, yet another slave story mm. being told. And I understand that point of view. Roots, however, for me, is not a story about slaves. It's mm. a story about survivors. Um, it's a story about warriors um, who were enslaved. And that's a, it's a semantic difference, but it's a real difference for mm -hmm. me. So, yes, I get how difficult it is to experience these stories. And I get the element of shame mm -hmm. that is also attendant with these stories. But there is no shame in having survived our enslavement. We need to remember that about ourselves and stop buying into the white normative culture's idea of who we are. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we do that, en masse, um, shit will change. Mm. I think the context also when Roots first came out, it's not like we had like a glut of slave right. movies. That's Whereas right. now we have a, enough for you to feel slight fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Again, I understand the point of view. And here's another point of view that was articulated and one that I cannot argue with. We need more black stories, more more black stories than just the story right. of our enslavement. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I get it. I understand it. So speaking of different types of stories being told yeah. and representation in all fields and areas, different genres, yeah. um, you sort of um, became the illustrative picture of Drake's Started from the Bottom because you started as a slave. Right. Then they sent your black ass to space. That's right. In Star Trek. Right? That's right. What what a what a trajectory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we in the past, we in the future, we right, in the present. Right. There is a there is a direct line, I believe, yeah. from Kunta to Jordy. Talk to us a little bit about Jordy and your connection to him. Jordy And for the trekker or for the non trekkers. For the non trekkers, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Among yeah. Us. Right? Yeah. <laughs> For the, um, for the, the lingo. I <laughs> yes, you, girl. Look at me. <laughs> for the two of you out there, y'all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jordy LaForge was the chief engineer of the Starship Enterprise, NCC 1701D. Um, he got the killer glasses, the visor. The visor. Excuse me. Excuse the visor, me. Mm, the visor. I got the lingo. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're doing great. Jordy, my, my character was the guy who wore the banana clip over his eyes. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so Jordy was responsible for keeping the ship running. In the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, Jordy was the, the, the navigator. He was the, the blind man who flew the ship. And that joke sort of played itself out mm. um, after the first year. And... Um, in between seasons one and two, uh, I had a meeting with Rick Berman, the executive producer, and and we decided that 
we really needed to give Jordy his own area of expertise from which to contribute. That made a lot of sense to me. So how did you approach that conversation? Like, did you, like, as soon as you were playing it, you're like, all right, it needs a little more. No, I was, look, I was a huge fan of the original series. Um, And so uh, getting the opportunity to, to compete for that job was everything to mm. me. I wanted in so desperately. I wanted in. And the, the idea of the prospect of being able to meet Gene Roddenberry, mm. let alone work with him, mm. was just, it was life. The TV writing god, right? the icon. <laughs> right? The great bird of the galaxy. I mean, that was one of his nicknames. I mean, Gene Roddenberry was a genius and a visionary, mm. right? And Interestingly enough for me, one of the things that I learned throughout the course of my relationship with Gene was that as much a visionary as he was, he was a man. He was human, you know. And so my relationship with him became sort of a reconciling of of icon and human being. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the great gifts that Gene gave me as a mentor was the, the realization that all of our heroes are human. Mm. And are and, and as such, are flawed. I feel like I've been mm. so blessed to have had my life touched by in in succession Alex Haley, Gene Roddenberry, and Fred Rogers. These three men, mm. in addition to my mother, uh, Irma Jean, are my storytelling mentors. They have shaped me in the sense of I do what it is I do the way I do it. Because of their influence. Mm. That's beautiful. Yes. So my sources tell me, our sources tell us that Jordy yeah. never got none on Star Trek. Everybody had like little love interests and girlfriends, and, you know. <laughs> like even I hear that there was an android who like got love. You know yeah, saying? Data like, Data got some from Tasha. What why did I think Jordy it was alluded to that when Tasha, you know, died and in her eulogy, her Self-delivered eulogy, I think there was an illusion. <laughs> That's my kind of girl. <laughs> right? Yes. Right? This android bitch going right. out like that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Welcome to my funeral. Uh, yes. That's right. I mean. That, <laughs> Hologram shit. Exactly. Exactly. I love exactly. it. I love it. She officiated at her own wake. Um, I think there was an illusion, but but yes. Um, um, the, and it's a very tired trope. Mm. The geek, the ah. you know, it's the engineer who mm. is you know who is focused on tech and technology and was awkward around women. Mm. I hated that shit, mm. and and always felt that that the writers, who were all white men, mm. were were just engaging in a very tired stereotype, mm-hmm. um, and I endured it. Yeah. Because that was the job. Yeah, we saw that on Chris Hardwick's uh, Nerdist podcast that you said, quote, I don't know why Jordy never got the girl, but I believe the writers did not know how to deal with black male sexuality. Right. Everybody had sex on the ship, including the android. Right. <laughs> right. Um, did you, you said you endured it. Did you ever try try to change that? Um, I know I had that conversation mm-hmm. with them. Um, um and you saw the result. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I know we'll we'll tell HR. We'll yeah. deal with it. And you know, I mean, I had never done a television series before Star Trek: The Next Generation, mm. um, and that was almost thirty years ago. 
I'm a different human being now mm-hmm. than I was then. And I listen, you grow older and I, your fuse gets so much shorter. Right? Mm-hmm. Um and and not just the fuse getting shorter, I I I think that we sort of refine that which is our bottom line. Mm-hmm. The hills that we're willing to die on. Mm-hmm. And um and if I found myself in that situation today, I would fight that fight. Mm. I, I would I would I would fight it tooth and nail. What would you say? How would you explain it to a writer's room full of white men who don't see the problem? Respectfully, you all are white men and have no clue about the sexuality of a black man and and how that dynamic has been bashed in white normative culture for over 200 years. And the fact that you are unwilling to see the sexuality of Jordy only tells me that you have bought into that bashing. Mm. And I want you to open your eyes mm. and see beyond your own conditioned limitations mm. and get that this man deserves to have a full life just like every other member of this family. Yeah, we're snapping. That's what the kids are doing. Right? (laughs) Yes. Failing that, fuck y'all, would be... (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Fix it, Jesus. (laughs) Take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. I'm done. (laughs) That's so real. That's so real. Uh Uh-oh, legendary spit take. to talk about reading rainbow do we yeah we do don't we, <laughs> we do Wait, we do you do. not want to no i love talking about reading rainbow let's talk about reading rainbow so it seems like you have made a habit of showing up for something new on the first day and then <laughs> just you know just killing it just killing it so you were executive producer of reading rainbow from day one is that correct i was i i was not executive producer from day one but i was executive producer as soon as i recognized that this was not a flash in the pan that mm. this was going to be an ongoing concern and that I really wanted to be a part of it going forward. And in that vein, I, I felt it was really important for my voice to be held at the executive producer level. When did you realize that? Uh, three seasons in. The first few seasons of Reading Rainbow, there was no guarantee that there would be another season. Mm. Um, we was, do kind of take it for granted that it existed right. for this long. Yeah. For like a really long Legendarily yeah. long. <laughs> we did. We, we were in production for, I think, 24 con- continuous seasons. Mm. I believe that's a PBS record. Yeah. It, it is, well, um, it is... Uh, it is in the sense that it is number three in terms of its longevity on PBS mm. behind Sesame Street, number one, and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, number two. Mm. So there was, in the beginning, no guarantee that we would raise the money. It was very difficult to raise the money for a reading show <laughs> <laughs> on television. <laughs> this that is was, a wild program. It is. It is. People just going to watch people read. Yeah. What is this show? It is counterintuitive <laughs> at best. Mm. Okay. Wow. I never even thought about that. Right. How did you even get from playing these nowhere near like 
educational or for kids like shows or series and then to reading rainbow even Irma Jean just the direction of Irma Jean mm. my mom was an English teacher and and <clears throat> not only did my mother read to me when when I was a kid she read in front of me so I grew up in a household where reading was like breathing I mean mm. if you didn't read in Irma Jean's house you 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 had a choice you could read a book or you could get hit with one it was, <laughs> <laughs> I love that it was it was a choice that, that you had to make okay I love that so I was acutely aware of the impact that literature had, had on my life mm. you know just as much as I believe that we are what we eat um, I believe we are what we read and then coupled with the roots experience where I was just slapped in the face with how powerful the television medium is in mm. eight nights of, of, of consecutive broadcasting, I experienced this entire country being transformed. So the power of the medium coupled with what I already understood to be the value of the written word, mm. and I thought, this is brilliant. This makes <laughs> I'm in. This makes yeah. sense to me. This makes sense to me. And we just did not know at the beginning that it was going to, you know, have that sort of sustained longevity. Mm. One of the things that I realized once I got older is um, and once I figured out how shitty the schools are, especially if you're a brown person in America. Yeah. Where'd you uh, grow up, Tracy? Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it made me realize that Reading Rainbow was probably a better teacher than a lot of kids had in their actual schools, you know, like in like access to books and literature and learning. Right. Um, so what did making this show teach you about um, education? <sighs> I guess my one takeaway from, you know, from the over 33 years that I've been associated with not just Reading Rainbow, but with um, literacy advocacy is is just <clears throat> how broken our educational system is in this country. We spend so much money on war mm. and the machineries of war in this culture and have sacrificed two now generations of our kids. Um, we used to do a really good job of educating. You know, public school education in America used to be the world standard. Mm. It is no longer that. Um, and I'd like to see us reorganize our priorities. Mm. Um, so is Reading Rainbow coming back to TV ever? Um, I'm sure you get this question every day. Yeah. I, 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 I do. And I am so happy that I was able to bring Reading Rainbow back for a digital generation. When, when we launched the Reading Rainbow app in, in 2012, the summer of 2012, it was, it, it was the beginning of a journey that ended up with us launching this Kickstarter in 2014 and raising $6 million, which, which was, was a record, crazy, right? yeah. 105,000 backers. That was the record mm. at the time. Uh. Um, taking a, a really beloved brand mm. and, and trying to translate it to another medium is not for the weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people will fight you yeah. over right? nostalgia. This no, is they, different they, and I'm angry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like change. I feel so good that we did that successfully. Having done that, I'm now giving the Reading Rainbow brand back to WNED. Ooh, plot twist. Yeah. yeah. What does that mean? It means that I'm getting out of the Reading Rainbow business. What? What are they going to do with it? The, it's their brand. Oh, I've had, a, I've had a license for it. I see, I see. For the last seven years. 
and they want to they want to bring it back to TV, mm-hmm. and I want them to I, go. Mm, okay, with so that's the new way. God, you absolutely, okay. because one of the things that I've I've realized: look, the older we get, the hopefully the wiser we get. Mm-hmm. Every ounce of energy that I invest in a brand that I will never own is an ounce of energy I will invest in a brand that I will never own. Listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> That is a word today. Drag me. <laughs> so. Oh, man. LeVar Burton Kids is my new brand. Ooh. And that's my focus now. Okay. I want to tell stories that extend beyond reading. I want to take advantage of the, the, the whole breadth of my brand from social justice to the future. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Word. So speaking of your brand, I have a question. So I feel like. Um, the projects that you've been involved in. Mm-hmm. Helping kids learn how to read, mm. very honorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> helping teach America about slavery, mm-hmm. also very honorable. <laughs> Amen. Uh, representing for the black people in the future. I'm mm-hmm. glad one of All us right. made it. One Shout of us out. got time traveled down. <laughs> <laughs> they let one of us go to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like you've got this very like squeaky clean and like cute um, image or reputation. Does that ever frustrate you? I don't think my reputation is necessarily cute. I'm proud of my legacy. I'm 60 years old. I've been doing this for 40 motherfucking years. Mm. See, you just said motherfucking. I feel like that would shock some people because you're I, And I hope they are shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> because let, allow me to refer back to earlier in our conversation. All of our heroes are what? Human. Yay. Hello. Right. That's so real. Right. And it's it's dangerous for us to put our heroes on a pedestal mm-hmm. because the only trajectory that makes sense from the height of a pedestal is a downward one. Mm. So I am who I am. And I'm I look, I've spent a lot of time, effort, energy and money mm. on therapy mm. to Amen. arrive <laughs> at a place where I am good with who I am. Yes, amen. I love that. And I'm not interested in allowing anyone to take that away from me. Let this man cook, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Let him say motherfucker in peace. (laughs) Um, Okay, so this reminds me of another question. So you have this new podcast. I do, I do, I do. It's called LeVar Burton Reads. I'm so proud of this podcast. I'm so happy. So happy. We're so excited to hear about us. Tell us more. So, you know, people have asked me for years, when are you going to address an adult audience with the same passion, with the same fervor, with the same um, with the same intelligence that 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 you brought to an audience of children? And I always knew that it was just a matter of time. My wife, Stephanie, was just as she's been hounding me for <laughs> years. And finally, it was the right time. And I watched this universe of podcasting just kind of explode. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I I got very excited because my vision was always very simple to just simply read stories I love to read. Mm, and ah. and I'm a big fan of the short story format because slept on genre. Yeah. Right? Slept on. I I read short stories every night. I mean that's that's how I go to sleep. Mm. Uh, mostly with science fiction short stories, but I just love short stories in general. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I found O. Henry and Ring Lardner, and I just want to read short stories. Mm. One an episode. LeVar Burton reads. LeVar Burton reads. Hey. So these are stories that you yourself picked? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Are there are there going to be like since this is like you're reading to adults? Yeah. Are we reading like adults? Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah, we oh are. Adult adults? Well, right. I mean, we're not reading porn. I haven't I haven't done anything really racy, but I'm leaving my options not not off the open. table. Okay. It's not okay. no, it's not off the table. All it's right. I, because I'm trying to put some seats on the <laughs> Like you're going to be reading some Zane in about two months. <laughs> <laughs> and Twitter's going to go crazy. <laughs> I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> wow, can't wait for this episode. <laughs> you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, can't wait. I think this is an excellent time to transition to pew pew pew. I think so too. Yeah. Um so we're what is already pew, pew? I'm so glad you asked. What is pew pew pew? Pew 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 pew, pew, pew is oh. our rapid fire pew, pew, pew. question segment. Okay. See? Rapid okay. fire. All right, so good. we've already been having a blast. We're gonna turn the fun up to ten, okay. maybe to eleven. It oh. depends. Uh oh. Um, do you have any hidden talents? Mm-mm. What is this? Grin. <laughs> there is what? a childish, <laughs> devilish grin upon us in the studio. <laughs> oh is... my God, what's happening? <laughs> okay, so he's now we broke all Levon the way back in chair, <laughs> holding both his mouth and his nose. Is this your trick? <laughs> what is happening? Is he okay? I don't know. <laughs> Should we call somebody? Maybe he can hold his breath for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we broke him. I don't know what we did. I genuinely don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Uh, oh, oh. All right. Okay. Um, um yes. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> okay. I have, I have, a, I have, I have a couple of hidden talents. Um, um. <laughs> I don't even know how I, I I can't I can't even I this is I a can't. Say, hey hey this I is can't. a safe space we accept you for who you are you are among friends all right uh, yeah but this is <laughs> this is being shared with millions of people <laughs> no it's just y'all. the two of us no one will ever hear this <laughs> everybody listening turn your radios all the way down close your eyes <laughs> just close your eyes don't look. <laughs> Uh, well, now you have to tell us. This build-up is too much. I, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, as, a, as, a, as an actor and as a freshman at the University of Southern California uh, in Los Angeles with, uh, in the School of, of um, Fine Arts, as a Bachelor of Fine Arts major, um, I had uh, extensive uh, vocal training. Um, and... Um, and so a lot of exercises are a part of developing that instrument, the mm-hmm. voice. And a lot, of, um, a lot of these exercises focus on um, lingual control. Mm. That's all I'm going to say. Well, alrighty then. <laughs> I'm going to sit my trunk. Drink, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, what a journey, and we did get there. Oh, oh. I was so scandalized. I thought I could take it. I, <laughs> I cannot uh, wait for you to read Zane on your podcast. <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Oh man, LeVar Burton reads, y'all. 
Oh, oh, you guys man. are awful. You, I hate <laughs> you so me. much um, right I believe now. you mispronounced the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, next Are you question. sure that doesn't, yeah. That, <laughs> no, you, you have. TMI? No. No, no, no okay. such thing. Okay. I wanted to tastefully broach asking you about your wife because y'all have the most adorable oh freaking Instagram photos. I, I stalk both of you. One, <laughs> her t-shirt game is amazing. Yes, it is. So amazing. <laughs> my wife is funny, y'all. She's my, amazing. My wife is funny. As fuck. I love my wife so much. Stephanie Cozart Burton is, she is my life. There's nothing more, there's nothing I love more than laughing with my wife. Mm. And and making her laugh because her sense of humor is so sick and twisted. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get her on the show. When, when I can when I can make Stephanie laugh, when I can make Cozart laugh, I'm 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 good. Two one and a half questions. I've been told to ask you. We one didn't question, do pew pew, a, pew pew. This is, this is pew, pew. This is pew pew pew. Okay, all right. <laughs> you just it's never rapid as rapid fire as, as we think yeah, it is. Okay. Right, okay. right. Um, okay. We always intend for it to be. So, yes. um, two last questions. Okay. One, I have to ask you what you're reading right now, or none of my friends will speak to me. Right. Again. Um, I've always got like three or four books reading. Um, What's in the rotation? At the same time mm. in the rotation right now. Uh, I just downloaded the other night the new anthology. I think it's called the Year's Best Science Fiction. It's it's edited and compiled by Gardner Desois, and it, that's my that's the last thing I read before I go to sleep at night. Um, I love those short stories. Okay. Um, what else is on? Um, my wife just gave me a book by a friend of hers. A woman, uh, Dedeen is her name. Um, she is a survivor of the Rwandan genocide. Mm. Um, I'm about to read that book. I'm about to read <clears throat> Ready Player One. That is uh, that's next up. You get the point. Yeah, that's a lot of books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I expected just one. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Um, uh, we didn't talk about Cameo. Everybody, oh! go watch the Cameo Word, Word Up video. Ow. LeVar Burton is a police officer <laughs> who, who I think wants to keep people yeah. from having fun. I think, yeah. Well, you don't even know. No. Okay, so no. next time you come back, we'll, we'll get, talk about We'll talk about we'll Cameo. We'll, we'll talk, about, we'll talk about the Word Up video and Larry <laughs> Blackman's Red Cod piece. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's a thing. It's that okay. is a thing. You are a joy and a delight. Where can people find you in your work? Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, at LeVar Burton. Um, LeVar.Burton on Instagram. And if you've got kids and want to connect with the Skybrary service, our digital library of over 500 books and video field trips, video field trips with LeVar, just like the original television series, um, go to LeVarBurtonKids.com. All right. And where can people check out your podcast? But everywhere you <laughs> consume podcasts. Yeah. All right. LeVar Burton, thank you so much for coming and hanging out. Thank you Please so come much. Back. I love you all. Oh, we love you too. Hey, heaven, it's time to buy rounds. Can ooh, I go first? Oh, yes. Go, go, go. I'm in the middle of a very intense biscuit and gravy Ooh, addiction you know i love a biscuit i know how you feel about biscuits i don't know how i feel about gravy to be uh, honest <laughs> i wasn't ready i'm sorry i'm sorry i wasn't ready you should have uh, seen her face <laughs> got stabbed in the front i wasn't <laughs> I'm sorry. um you know what that's that's fair okay talk to me i don't want to rain on your biscuits yeah. and gravy parade <laughs> wait i got quick follow-ups is it the is what is your aversion to gravy? Is it the taste? Is it the texture? I don't even have an aversion. I'm just saying I don't know if I've had the proper combo to like fully uh, appreciate this thing mm, that you clearly love. Okay, okay. So this the, is a fixable problem. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fixable problem. So biscuits and gravy. 
it's like you get the all of the standard pleasure of a biscuit. Sure, you know, sure. You the, I'm familiar. I'm very <laughs> Oh, I know. <laughs> but then you get like this addition of like a very like if this if the gravy's made well, it upgrades your biscuit from good biscuit to experience. <laughs> Ooh. Biscuit, biscuits and gravy is an experience. Wow. Okay. I, um, my grandmother used to make it all the time when I was younger. Naturally, mm. you know, as a child, I did childish things. I did not fully appreciate the greatness of biscuits and gravy. But when we were in New Orleans for NABJ, randomly on the breakfast bar, they had mm. some biscuits. So naturally, I had to cop a biscuit. But then they were like, here's some gravy. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> and it was so good. Like, st- first of all, any food that you find in New Orleans is going to be better than any Facts. food you find someplace else. So this is like a, like a standard-ass Hilton breakfast bar. <laughs> like a buffet, right? We're talking the Hilton restaurant. <laughs> yes. But that gravy and the softness of the... And then, you know, when you leave it for a little while, it kind of soaks it up mm. a little bit. And it's just like, uh, oh, mm, OK. Mm, mm, mm. So I see what you mean. Experience levels. Yeah. Tears. Yeah. <laughs> yes, if you will. So then I, I come back from New Orleans and I'm I'm still needing some biscuits and gravy because mm. I meant to go back to the buffet the morning before and I didn't make it because I was sleeping, probably drunk. So I come back to New York and I'm like, what are the chances that I can find some decent Biscuits and gravy. What are the chances? Very low because listen, <laughs> New York, y'all can't even honestly get macaroni and cheese right for real. Y'all sweet tea is uh. Ooh, so ooh. biscuits and gravy up ooh. here. I was like, what? But mm. I'm at home one day. Okay. May have been drinking rose out of the bottle. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, I wonder if there is a biscuit shop, a biscuit tree <laughs> <laughs> on Grubhub somewhere, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> In Flatbush, which probably not. But what? I was like, I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going <laughs> to search for biscuits and gravy in my Grubhub app. And guess what God did for me? God said. <laughs> this is wild. How do you find a biscuitarie? I don't <laughs> know. I have no idea. There was this restaurant that came up called Butter and Scotch. Ooh. First of all. I like a good name like that. A, a twofer. <laughs> a, a twofer. <laughs> so we have to go there for brunch because apparently they specialize in uh, biscuits okay. for one. Okay. Biscuits were bomb for two. And they specialize in just like boozy milkshakes and drinks and like very decadent, like desserty Ooh. stuff. A treat yourself spot. A treat yourself. And the biscuits and gravy. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I'll do it. I mean, Tracy it's not, is happy. It's oh. not New Orleans. Okay, okay. Gravy, nothing but, is New Orleans. <laughs> true. But I was just so happy. And mm. now I have a biscuits and gravy plug. <laughs> and I just feel a little bit writer yes. than I did last week. Yes. So I'm that's so happy for you. Thank you, girl. Butter and scotch. You got to go. Like, you have to go to butter and scotch. Butter and scotch. It's not like butter and scotch. You got to go. <laughs> you got to go. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, shout out to Biscuits and Gravy. Who or what is your round for? Also food related. Ooh. <laughs> um, please walk with me. It is very pure. Don't go <laughs> to a different destination. Oh, man. I want to buy a round. I can't wait to sully this. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to buy a round for a fresh banana. <laughs> okay. Okay. Damn it, Tracy. God damn it. <laughs> Fruit is good for you. Okay. Oh, banana show. <laughs> I'm good for you, girl. Shut up. <laughs> Let me laugh. I'm sorry. I just haven't had a good fresh banana. In oh a long my time, god! So. <laughs> god damn it. No. Okay. Please talk to me about your love of bananas, <sighs> Tracy McGee. <laughs> then you know that's it. That's the round. Okay. No, I wait, like wait. bananas. They're good. They're healthy. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like a meal. Uh huh. Just because it's it's a good banana. Yeah. But um, not not too early when it's green all crazy. Oh, see, there's you a. Wait on it. 
when is a banana too ripe for you to eat it? Because, you know, like old Southern ladies be like, you just cut all the black shit off of that banana and eat it. <laughs> Even though it was only like two bites of banana left, they will be scraping. That is how my mom told me to <laughs> not wrong that's exactly how like those are the values I was brought up with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my culture we use all parts of that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this tweet once that was like y'all talking about you eat the top of a banana but you eat ass it's <laughs> 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 just like dang I mean I wasn't ready for the comparison I wasn't that either I was, it's not a bad comparison though you know anyways anyways good bananas are okay. great I feel like um I've been in a lot of startup offices lately, mm-hmm. and one way that I notice that I judge startups is by the, the ripeness of their fruit mm-hmm. and what their bananas are looking like. Mm, that's true. That's I do true. love to leave BuzzFeed every day with two bananas. I was going to ask you to, to <laughs> score BuzzFeed's bananas. Um, they're usually well-stocked and ripe, mm, okay. so BuzzFeed gets it. Okay. So do you are you a member of the faction that puts, and I guess this faction is once again old Southern lady. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> cutting up bananas and putting them into your cereal? Yes, in oh, cornflakes. Yes. yes, bitch. Yes. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Yo, my before fave. I leave here today, I'm going to go get two bananas. Oh, and I'm gonna love go it, love it, love it. Right. Bananas are good by themselves yeah. in stuff as an ingredient. <laughs> Milkshakes. <laughs> I will say one last banana relationship I have. Okay. <laughs> This one time in high school, I slipped and fell on a banana peel. <laughs> that shit was real and it happened to me. It happened to me, Tracy. Oh my God, you got to write the XOXO. XO. It happened to me. XOJ, what is it? Wait, what do you mean you, like you were just walking and you didn't see the banana peel okay. on the ground? I, Cartoon style. Cartoon ass fucking <laughs> human me walking. Mind of my business. And then I'm like, wait, I'm on the ground now. <laughs> we get here i feel like you're it the only in human who has done that second. in like the last 50 years you got like be. zoink <laughs> and within like 0.5 seconds i was on the ground was it like legs and books and papers in the air <laughs> it sure was hairpins flying out <laughs> that's when i realized i'm Aww. like Ugh, too embarrassing to function mm. high school memories bananas bananas good, good rounds today <laughs> Everybody go get some bananas and some biscuits and gravy. Yeah, shout out to breakfast foods that you eat all day. Yeah, shout out to breakfast for dinner. Shout out to LeVar Burton. Still can't believe that he stopped by. He He, gave us his iconic eyebrow in real life, y'all. It was beautiful. It was magnificent. He also talked to my mom on FaceTime. Oh, it was so precious. She was just giddy. She was was like, do I look okay? Do I? like oh my gosh so shout out to LeVar Burton you can follow him on Twitter at LeVar Burton and check out his new podcast LeVar Burton Reads where shout he's still out. reading to y'all yes shout out to him to still reading to us <laughs> yes shout out to the pod squad bah, bah, bah. this episode was produced by Nina Patuck and Julia Ferlin with editorial oversight from Eleanor Kagan and Meg Kramer and production support from our lovely fellies Agarinesha Shagre and Alex Laughlin shout out to our in-house musicians Jean Gray you can follow her on Twitter at Jean Greasy and Don Will you can follow him at Don Will and to Hasizzle once again thank you so much for the lit ass remix yes. of our song you can follow him on Twitter at Hasizzle King that's H-A Sizzle and King As as always, you can follow me and Tracy, me at Heaven Rants, Tracy at Brokey McPoverty. Mm-hmm. I also follow Heaven on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Heaven yeah. Rants on Instagram as well. Right. I'm out here. She's She is out here. <laughs> you can email us at anotherroundatbuzzfeed.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Another Round. You can Facebook us at Another Round. 
Um, my mother saw the video of me doing a light twerk on stage. A light twerk. She was not I happy. was doing the light twerk, <laughs> to be clear. Me. That was a very, it was a sensible. Oh my sensible God, twerk. it was beyond sensible. It was exquisite, Tracy. Are <laughs> you kidding you. me? My mother that said. That is the art and I was the light twerk in the background is what oh, I was saying. I think, that we I think I'm being generous to my light twerk as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed by both light twerks. My mother was like, it looks like you're taking a shit. Oh. And I was like, please unfollow us on Facebook, One must mother. squat sometimes, okay? I mean, you know, what else, what else can you do? Um, <laughs> rate us on iTunes. Did she really say that? I swear to God. She said it all. She said it to my face. This was FaceTime. <laughs> I was like, well, I would like to get out of this interaction. Oh, my God. She FaceTimed yeah. me to say that. She sure did. <laughs> she sure. My niece is in the background like, no, it. it was it was sensible. Oh. It was. She was like, mm-mm, don't do that anymore. This is so precious. I know. <laughs> subscribe to our newsletter at buzzfeed.com slash another round slash newsletter drink some water take your meds call your person log off for like an hour mm. a day just take a break Re- redo your notifications Yo. just take a look at them like Yo. why am I getting notified about this there's a time and place for things. That is the realest advice I've ever heard. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Just changed so many lives. <laughs> you did. Um, all right. I'm out of here to go rethink my notifications. Hey. Bye. Bye. We know that Monica sang about it in 1995, but have you ever had one of those days where nothing seemed to go right? Picture this. You're a grown-ass woman, minding your own business when suddenly everything that can go wrong does. If this sounds familiar, you should check out Tamika and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. This book is about a grown-ass woman named Tamika who knew she was in for a doozy of a day when she woke up to find that her hair bonnet had come off in the middle of the night, jacking up her edges. It was all downhill from there. She got harassed on the way to work, harassed on the internet, and Shelly in accounting called her by the other black girl's name. And then started crying when Tamika corrected her. <sighs> It seemed like nothing was going to go right in her life ever again. Eventually, Tamika goes home and has drinks with her girlfriends who give her all the affirmation and encouragement she needed to get up and do it all again the next day. I like this book because as a black girl who has experienced all these things, you should pick up Tamika in the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day today.